You have enemies? Good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. Winston Churchill. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I Hello, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, joined by Perry Hughes. Perry, coming to us from uh, from Western North Carolina, correct? Yes, uh, in the uh, metropolis, the booming metropolis of Rutherfordton. Actually, I'm in Forest City right now, which is where my office is. But yes, brother, I'm doing uh, doing good. I'm excited. I'm choosing anticipation today. I'm choosing to be excited about for what, you know, excited to see what God's got in store for us. Uh, sometimes it's easy to get in a downward spiral of life where, you know, maybe the economy's not looking so great. Maybe, you know, finances are questionable. Maybe the strength of the dollar is, you know, on the brink, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But you know what, brother, today I'm choosing excitement and anticipation because of my faith in the Lord and because of his promises to show up for us. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm in, I'm anticipating our episode today. It's going to be a lot of fun. How are you doing? I'm anticipating it as well. I've been looking forward to this. I think this is the first episode in a while where it's just been the two of us. We've had great guests. For those of you who maybe have just found us and you're listening for the first time, go back. I feel like a couple of the most recent episodes have been incredibly powerful, amazing guests. Uh, and by the way, we're getting a lot of traction, just kind of a shameless plug I'd love for you guys, if you're resonating with what we're doing, share us. Maybe post an episode that you're finding helpful on your social media or just send it to another father you know who might benefit. You know, we are trying to grow this and impact as many fathers as possible. So we'd love your support in that. But but we have had some great guests. We actually have a couple of really exciting guests lined up for the next few episodes. But today, Perry, it's just you and I. So I'm excited yeah. to kind of get back to that. And because we've always had guests, it's been a while since we've done uh, fatherhood wins. So, you know, I'll introduce the episode, by the way, we're going to be talking about becoming a man, what makes a man, a man. So I'm excited to have this conversation, but first any, any fatherhood wins from you from this past week or the past couple weeks, I guess. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so for me, JP and I spent some time out in the woods yesterday on a turkey hunt and we were not successful at killing a bird, but we were successful at having a good time out in the woods together, you know, just um, all camouflaged out, decked out, you know, kind of ghillie suited, face painted up and just time out in creation. So for me, that's a big win. Even if we didn't even if we didn't come away with a bird, we had a, a really good time just sitting in the woods together for a few hours yesterday morning. It was fantastic. What about you? Oh, let me ask you this first. I've heard yeah. that that hunting turkeys that they're actually one of the hardest game to hunt. Are they hard? I mean, what makes it so hard? Well, that makes me feel really good for you to say that because we're not very good at hunting turkeys. <laughs> yeah, well, I've heard it's really, really hard. Well, it's funny because you see them around all the time, right? You know, you're just driving. So we have I mean, them literally. I'm... They cross the road. I have to stop for them as I'm driving my kids right. to school. So they're there. I'm like, I could just kill you by running you over with my car. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But yet if you go out into the woods and try to kill them, I don't know. This is like, I'm not a, I'm not an avid hunter, but I've just heard that turkeys are particularly difficult. Yeah. So, and I'm a, I'm an, I'm a beginner that maybe, you know, maybe there's a pro turkey hunter out there listening and is going to be like, Oh my gosh, Perry's an idiot. He has no idea what he's talking about. So let me just 
tell everybody right now, I'm an idiot. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I <laughs> well, think, you're going to say it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I think that turkeys are hard to hunt because they have good eyes. You hunt them with shotguns, you're down on the ground. And, you know, so if you're hunting with a shotgun, you got to kind of call them in pretty close. You know, I patterned my gun the other day at 15 yards and it was, you know, really nice, tight pattern. And then I patterned it at 25 and it's probably, you know, it's probably a dead bird pattern, but there certainly weren't as many, um, you know, shots in the, in that turkey head size at 25 yards. So you're talking about convincing a bird with really good eyesight to come in close enough to take him out with a shotgun. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of tricky to do. We've been JP and I've been turkey hunting for probably five years now and he has killed two birds and I've killed zero. Now we spend, <laughs> we spend most of our time hunting youth season, which is the week before the regular season opens. So in my defense, most of our turkey hunting has been all geared around youth season. I, you know, I don't even have a gun half the time. We're just going out sitting there trying to get him to shoot a bird. And he shot a couple. Uh, but yesterday we both had guns and, you know, I was kind of hoping to, to down one. And we had one probably, he was circling, he was across a little creek that was, we were hunting on some private land that we have access to. And the turkey, of course, was across the creek on somebody else's private land that we don't have access to. Gotcha. And so we're doing the little hen noises with the calls and everything. And we're talking back and forth to this gobbler and he's gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. And you can hear him circling. You can, you know, the, you can hear when the gobble gets probably within 150 yards, maybe. And then you can, he just circles and he's gets out to maybe 300, 300 yards, you know, whatever. And he's far, he's just doing this circle and we're trying to entice him across the Creek. We got some decoys set up and all that, but we never sounded sweet enough for him to, to come across the Creek, I guess. So, right. and, and this is not the, faithful hunters podcast or like the yeah, hunting right. 101 podcast <laughs> so i promise to the listener we are going to get to the topic at hand although there might be a transition here in a moment uh, sure but another stupid follow-up question if you're hunting turkeys with a shotgun but the yeah. goal of hunting is to in theory eat what you are killing which i think yep. a lot of hunters only hunt and, and you know eat what they kill yep how do you eat a bird that you have scattered with shot that's a great question. So you're you're aiming for the head. You're shooting the head. And your <clears throat> shotgun um your shotgun grouping it's it's going to be tight. It, you know, if you aim for the turkey's head, it doesn't obliterate the body. It just okay. obliterates the head. So you have a full, you know, breasted body intact. That's a good question. Okay. Excellent. Uh, my fatherhood win from the week is perhaps jokingly, perhaps not, that I didn't kill my family traveling for Easter. You <laughs> is are your family road trips in a vehicle chaos? I, I'm like, am I the only one? No, you you are definitely not the only one. Our family road trips are chaos, and we're sometimes and it's beautiful chaos. It's it part is. of the memories. Right. I get it. Looking right. back, it's going to be fun. But yeah. when you're in the moment, it's like stop antagonizing. You're just like picking at your kids nonstop after you get a past about that first hour. Like first hour is like a road trip. Everybody's happy. Right. I want snacks. Right. What movie? Right. And then by about hour five, it's like we should have flown. Yes, a hundred percent. So I'll tell you a life hack that we have done, which has been really good for us. 
we, I mean, we drove out to Colorado and Utah last year about this time in spring. So, you know, that's days of, it was like three solid days back to back to back to get there. And one of the things we love to do is to find really good books on tape and play those through the vehicle audio. And miraculously, Nancy found some book series that all, every single book is like 40 hours long. I mean, they're, uh, it's like crazy. Um, and, and we listened to a handful of those books and that seems to really help us a lot as a family because it takes the kids attention and it captivates them a little bit. And that way they're not, you know, pulling each other's hair and stepping on each other's toes and eating each other's snacks and sitting on each other's and getting their elbow in the way of each other and, and calling <laughs> each other idiot. And, oh, he's laughing at me and, oh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one of our favorite ways to mitigate that challenge. <laughs> okay. Noted. Uh, next, we, we actually have another road trip coming up this summer as well. We'll go to the beach. And so maybe we'll give that a try. Yeah. And if you're looking for a good book real quick, before we move on to the next thing, the Wilder King trilogy is fantastic it's a it is it is an awesome trilogy series of books so i highly recommend starting out on your next road trip just downloading the wilder king series and listening to the first book as you go be really cool i'll put that in the show notes so let's transition then and actually talk about what makes a man a man and maybe hunting and being able to kill your prey and and provide for your family makes a man a man. I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, this is a sort of a hot topic in today's culture, what makes a man a man. And I don't think we're going to be talking about the aspect of manhood that some of you guys might be thinking we're going to be talking about. We may not venture into those waters on this episode, although we might. But but Perry and I have just been sort of thinking about from our perspective, what makes a man a man? And uh, as a little bit of background, I, I reflect on when I was in high school, I I won the, the superlative of most like, likely to succeed. And, and I remember five years later, after graduating, I went back for my first high school reunion and wasn't thinking anything of it. And a buddy of mine came up to me. He's like, so did you succeed? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was sort of like taken aback by that. Like I just graduated college. What do you mean? Have I succeeded? You know, but, um, but, but it, it literally that question from that point forward and literally for the last 20 plus years, I've been thinking about what success means and my mm. concept and my definition of success and what does success mean means has sort of evolved. We're not talking about success. We're talking about manhood, but I feel like I could say the same thing about manhood that, that what makes a man, a man is sort of a concept that that I've always been conscious of, that I've thought a lot about, that I continue to think a lot about, especially now that I'm a father and I'm trying to figure out how to help, help my sons become men. But is there a definition? How do you know when you're a man? Like, how would you answer that question? Hey, have you become a man yet? Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know? And so- right. So I don't know if we're going to give you guys, the listeners, a firm definition. Here's how you know that you're a man. But I think there are some some elements that maybe we can agree on. And and I'll be curious, Perry, as you and I, we haven't actually talked about um, what we're going to be talking right. about, e each of us. And so maybe we'll agree with each other. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll push back and have some debate on this. But I think... Certainly, if you look biblically, there are some hints as to what makes a man a man, and then just life life lessons and reality and and what what separates people that we revere as 
as good men from from boys, from children? How does that evolution take place? And so I'm excited to have this conversation with you. And uh, we'll just kind of go back and forth. And I'll just kind of throw it to you to start. Sure. When you think about what makes a man a man, what what comes to mind? Sure. Well, honestly, it's a very challenging topic. I mean, as I've been really marinating on this, praying over it, thinking about it in anticipation for this episode, it's kind of daunting. It is. You know, on the one hand, and it's like, oh man, how do I even begin? How do I even start? And then on the other hand, it's like, as soon as you start to go down that path a little bit, oh man, there's such a flood of characteristics, of character traits that I believe and I aspire to be as a man, you know? Yeah. Humble, faithful, you know, like all relational, all these things. Like you get, I feel like we could talk for 10 years on what makes a man a man. Right. And, and so, and I'm sure we'll talk about it yeah, again on this podcast. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But one of the things that, you know, I, I began to think about, and is it, it's that transition from boyhood to manhood, right? Is, is where does that, where is that line drawn? Where does it come in? What is, what is one of the, what could we say? This is a fundamental principle of being a man. And immediately the word responsibility came to mind. And as I thought through that, I thought about being responsible for yourself, you know, and and that's kind of my initial thought process and my initial take. And then maybe a day later, as I'm continuing to think about this, that that responsibility went even farther. And it it not only is it responsible for yourself, but it's, I think, a lot responsible for others. And so maybe that beginning of manhood or maybe one of the definitions of manhood is as you step into responsibility for yourself. Your parents aren't taking care of you anymore. You're making your own decisions. You're financially responsible for yourself. You know, all those kind of things of responsibility. And then to take that even one step farther, I believe one of the fundamental characteristics or the fundamental definitions or the fundamental traits of manhood is that a man takes care not only of himself, but he takes care of others as well. It's, (laughs) you can't make this stuff up. That's literally my first point. <laughs> hey, that's so cool. You know, I was thinking, oh, we're going to have six different things that we can take to the listener about what makes a man a man. Perry will have three, I'll have three, yeah. but your first yeah. one is my first one. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on. I was listening to Mark Driscoll, uh, just a little short internet clip uh, a few weeks ago, and and he put it this way. And and ever since he said it, it's been just sitting with me and and I've also been reflecting on it. And I think, I think he's right. I think he has it right. And here's what he said. When you're a boy, you're dependent on others. So a boy is dependent on others while a man can take care of himself and a real man can take care of himself and others like his wife, yeah. his kids. And that's exactly what I think you're saying. Yes. At some point, we transition from a dependence on our parents to take care of us, to being able to take care of ourselves, not just financially, but emotionally. And we've just developed to the point where we are able to step into independence in the world. And it 
And it sounds like this would be a natural progression. And yet I think we see an epidemic in today's world where you have so many quote unquote men, really children in men's bodies. They're in their twenties, thirties, even forties, really unable to care for themselves. They're either literally dependent on the government for uh, for financial assistance, they they're still living in their parents' basement in their mid to late twenties, and and I'm not knocking yeah. that. I so some of you know I went to the Peace Corps, came back, and and I moved back in with my parents for a yeah. season until yeah. I saved up enough money and I got my first job, and then I'm able to step out though, mm-hmm. get my own first apartment, pay my own rent for the first time, and there's there's certainly a sense of feeling like, hey man, I can I can take care of myself. I've sort of stepped into the world of being a man. I'll I'll just share one additional story. If you remember, we we did the cowboy episode way back, sort of at the beginning of the podcast. And I had asked you, when did you first feel like a man? And, and you had talked about the, the first time you kind of went through your house with a gun, you know, protecting your wife fr- from a potential intruder. And and I said I might share this story later. And I think now would be an appropriate time to share it for me. And it's right along these lines. I remember I had graduated from college. And there's a certain element when you step into in, into college as well. You're doing your laundry for the first time, maybe. I was. Um, you know, you're you're trying to figure out what the mess hall is. You're you're on your own, except college life's kind of easy, right? I mean, sure. You, you've got that meal card. <laughs> you, you've got that meal card. You're not really even working. You maybe have student loans. It's not Yeah, yeah. And there's always the college kid that's like, are you talking to the college kid? They're like, how are you doing? They're like, oh man. I'm so busy. I'm so exhausted. Uh, right. I'm just thinking, All right, bud. You know, you yeah, think it's like, you're busy dude, now. Just yeah, you, wait. That's right. Just wait. You're not really taking care of yourself. Yeah. You know. Um, but I graduated from college and I went straight into the Peace Corps and hopped on a plane, flew halfway across the world, literally, go through a little bit of training in Madagascar. And I'll just never forget, after the training period, they they literally drive you to your village where you're going to serve for the next two years. I remember hopping in this little Land Rover with, with one other Malagasy guy who drove me hours through these terrible, rutted dirt roads to this little village in the middle of absolutely nowhere, no electricity, no running water. Man. He literally took my couple of bags out of the thing, said, this is your house. And he drove off. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment where I'm sitting alone in the middle of Madagascar, surrounded by people speaking a language I don't speak, no electricity, no running water. If I'm going to eat that day, I need to prepare my own food for the first time with faced with the prospects of, I need to sort of be dependent on myself. I need to provide for myself. I need to keep myself alive, you know, for yeah. the next two years. <laughs> and that was really a moment for me where I felt like I'm a man sure. for the first time. Once yeah. I once I proved to myself that I could exist in that environment, that I am capable, there was an element of being a man. And so that's sort of the second stage that Mark Driscoll was talking about. I'm no longer a boy. I can take care of myself. And then certainly once I got married, now I've got a wife to take care of. And then I have kids. Now I'm taking care of kids. So maybe, maybe I'm a real man now, according to Mark Driscoll's definition. But I think I think what you were saying is spot on in terms of that evolution, that progression sure. to manhood. Yeah. Yeah. And then as we talk, I can't help but think of Jesus's words. I do nothing 
apart from the Father, right? And so, yes, I'm I'm all in on this definition, responsible provider, taking care of yourself, taking care of others, you know? And yet, at the same time, there's this mysterious Christ who says, I, I can do nothing apart from the Father, hmm. right? Because, and that's like totally opposite of what we're talking about. Independence, self-reliance, responsibility. Ability, you're taking care of yourself. You're taking actions. You're doing these things, right? And Christ obviously did uh, do those things. He, you know, rounded up some followers. He had the disciples. He did many miracles. He did. He he died on the cross to save us, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. So, in and of himself, he is obviously a man with these responsibilities of taking care of self, of others, etc. And yet, there's this strange dichotomy. Of of him saying repeatedly, well, I, I can do nothing apart from the Father. So, man, there's this in the back of my mind. How do I, how do I rationalize that? How do I balance that? How can I say, yes, manhood is responsibility for self and others. You don't need to rely on anybody, right? Like you're you're it, the buck stops with me, right? And yet at the same time, I need to be totally dependent on Yahweh, totally dependent on God. <laughs> I can't, my little brain can't figure that out, but I kind of know, I believe that it's true. It's a both and. It, it's a both and. They exist when you acknowledge that my ability to provide for others flows from God. Yes. And I think it's a hard thing there. It's yeah. not, there's not a pride of, look at me, the self-made mm -hmm. man. I have figured mm -hmm. this whole life thing out. Yeah. I can make millions of dollars on my own wits and wile and strength and provide for my family. No, God, through his provision, That's I'm right. able to show up. So it's definitely a both and. Yeah. There are a lot of there are a lot of those interesting dichotomies, though, where we have our our own perceptions of, in this case, what we think makes a man a man, and then we look at really the ultimate man, I think, Jesus, and what does he have to say? And sometimes it comes up against our perceptions. So let me ask you this, and this is where we maybe wade into a, a conversation where we may or may not agree wholeheartedly. What, what makes a man a man when it comes to conflict? What have you taught your boys about fighting? Mm. I feel like I feel like we live in a society where culture portrays a real man yeah. as a as a UFC fighter, right? Like tough, strong, not backing down from confrontation. You're gonna step to me. I'm going to pound your face into the ground, yeah. right? I've got enemies, foreign and domestic. I'm going to strap on my semi-automatic weapon. I'm going to travel. I'm going to I'm going to fight them, right? Mm -hmm. We we live in a culture where fighting is revered. Real men don't back down. Is that what you're teaching your kids? Does that make a man a man? Or is there an element of being a man to recognize we don't always have to fight? we don't always have to confront. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question and for me one of the words I use to describe the definition of a man is someone who's dangerous. Dangerous. You have the capacity 
for violence. You have the capacity for, you know, whatever that might be. It might be a physical fight. It might be firearms. It might be whatever. It's a dangerous human being. Uh, you go from being a boy to a man, you know, with with a degree of becoming more dangerous, becoming more competent at handling a physical conflict or a physical altercation, right? But one of the things that I do teach my kids, we train jujitsu. We're all, we're very much beginners. I'm a blue belt, which is the the you know the lowest ranking there is, except for white belt. So I'm a super beginner at jujitsu. I know a little bit. I've trained a little bit, and we we I train with my kids. But one of the mantras or the five rules of engagement, so to speak, is avoid the fight at all costs. Yeah. Avoid the fight at all costs. We we don't we I teach my kids don't fight. Walk away. You know, walk away. If somebody's trying to fight you, walk away. If somebody's trying to hurt you, get run away, get escape. You know. Then I do follow up with if you can't run away, fight and fight to win, which maybe that's going to be the point of investigation. Because Christ does say, turn the other cheek. But does that mean, you know, allow someone to just completely do violence to you, you know, have their way with you, whatever? Does it mean allow someone to do some act of violence towards your sister? Or, you know, I think that we are called as men to stand up for those who are weak and can't stand up for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. So, where does that line draw in the sand where Christ's teaching is to not display that sense of strength or violence or, you know, that idea of turning the other cheek? And where is the line drawn in that? Is it, you know, a bully on the play playground socks you one in the face and you just walk away? That takes more mental, emotional strength. And here's the catch. It takes more physical, emotional strength if you actually are dangerous, if you're actually afraid of that person, if they could, if they could wax the floor with you and you're walking away, well, I mean, you know, you're just realizing this person could take me out, et cetera, whatever. So I don't know exactly. I don't know that I have any of that figured out of where is that line drawn? Uh, I do know that I believe the definition of a man is to be dangerous, capable of capable of physical dominance or capable of physical violence. But I believe that a true man has that on complete and total lockdown. It's it's controlled. You know, it's it's not like somebody punches you know you in the face and you just see red and you go rage emotion you know and you win a fight that's not that's not a true man a true man has control uh it's not, not ever violence from an emotional or in a reactionary standpoint but it's it's calculated controlled tame i guess you know not tamed isn't maybe the right word but controlled danger if that makes sense there's an evolution that happens because when we're young when we're children it's hard to control our temper. It's hard to, and when you get a little bit dangerous, maybe maybe your dad signs you up for a karate class or a jujitsu class, and you're excited to like show it off as soon as somebody yeah. 
That's confronts right. me. I'm going to karate chop him. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to fight a kid on the playground. I'm not going to let him bully me. I'm going to, and some kids have that in them. Some kids are maybe a little more timid and are more, sure. more prone to back down. But I know, I know my kids certainly, you know, aren't, aren't afraid of confrontation. My son Jackson though, uh, last, last season in soccer, he was, he was talking about how uh, one of his good friends, he plays on like a select travel soccer team. And he was like, I'll withhold the kid's name, but he's like, so-and-so um, you know, fought. He he literally got yellow cards and then he eventually got a red card because he was fighting these kids on the other team. And Jackson, Jackson was almost like envious of like, wow, uh-huh. like, my friend is a fighter. Like he fought. I said, well, I said, what happened? You know, he said, well, the kid on the other team was sort of, instigating and and you know playing too rough and and blah 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 and he said you know my my buddy i i asked him why he fought these kids and he said well this kid stepped to me and i wasn't going to let him step to me you sure. know and, and that's that right. was his his thought process was somebody's gonna step to, i can't i can't allow for that so i've got to fight him right right i think that's a childish way of thinking mm-hmm. i think the goal is as you become a man to move more towards what you're talking about, which is when somebody steps to you, it's more powerful to recognize that I could take you out, but I don't have to. Yep. When you are a child, you feel the need to prove your strength. I think when you're a man, you recognize that I no longer have to prove my strength. That's right. And that comes from identity. That's right. The more that you evolve into knowing who you are at core, I am a child of God. I I have my own strength. I don't need your approval. I don't need your validity. I don't get my self-worth from being able to show you that I can beat you up. There's actually more strength in that and that's something that if we can get to that point, there's an element of being a man there. There's a, a proverb that I've always read and I always I struggled with a little bit. And I think I've read it uh, in new light recently. It's Proverbs 16.32. And it says, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. Yeah. And, and I used to look at that and think that, you know, it's sort of, it's comparing two different people. There's one man who's the patient man and, and one man who's a warrior and the patient man is better than the warrior. Almost like you you can almost see a pacifist. And, And I'm not, I think there's a time and place to stand up for right. God bless the brave men who stormed the beaches of Normandy to fight real evil in this world. I'm glad that men like that exist. And and I like to think that I am one of those men, that I would be one of those yeah. men. So that's not what we're talking. I'm not, I'm not a pure pacifist. I know there are pl- I, I have plenty of friends who are pure pacifists. There's never a right time to fight. That's never the right answer. And that's not even what I'm saying. But I used to look at this passage and think this is maybe where some pacifists are drawing some of their their beliefs, right? It's better to be the pacifist than the warrior, the patient man than the warrior. I don't really think that's what this saying. I, I think I think this is 
looking at the same person, the same man, the warrior. I am the king. I am the warrior. I'm the Navy SEAL who could kill you with my pinky. And yet when confronted, when you step to me, I don't have to prove it to you. I don't have to. I can show patience. I have self-control over my emotions. Mm -hmm. And that that is actually better than being the warrior. It's better for me to say, I could take that city, but I'm going to show control here. I don't need to take that city right now. And and to me, that's an element of being a man. That means we, I think we can all probably point to situations where older, like, again, children in men's bodies, guys in their 40s and 50s get enraged in the parking lot because somebody cuts them off and they're flicking you off. And like, I had this happen just the other day, like this 50-year-old man sticks his finger out. I God is my witness. I did. I guarantee I did nothing wrong. I wasn't, I wasn't driving slow in the left lane. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. This is just a guy enraged with life sticking his middle finger out of his window as he goes flying past me. I got kids in the car. Yep. And in my earlier years, I'd be ticked. I'd try to chase him down, whatever. I'm like, who are you to, and I, and now I just kind of feel sorry for that. Sure. Man. It's like, it's like, why are you still a child? Why do you still have no self-control? Why have you not developed into, into a man? You know, and so I think I, I've been rambling for a while. I, I want I want your thoughts on this, but but I think there's an element of manhood here, transitioning from the need to prove it to others to I no longer have to prove it to you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think too, in that in that verse. Proverbs 1632, I think there's also an element in maybe, maybe almost measuring the difficulty of a task. And so I think there's also, when I read that, to me, what comes to mind is it's easier to conquer a city than it is to control your own emotions. It is. Right. The controlling of the mastery of oneself is actually the higher accomplishment than conquering a city or w- winning at a at a fist fight you know sure yeah you can do that and there's a level of achievement if you can conquer cities and you can win fist fights and you can you know whatever kill bad guys right there's 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 a level of accomplishment but i think there's also an element here that says yeah that that is this level of of accomplishment but a great, the greater accomplishment is mastery of self, mastery of your own emotions, mastery of your own actions, mastery of your own uh, rage or reaction or, you know, whatever. So I think there's a, I think there's a leveling, an identification of levels in that passage as well. And this is an example where do you ever arrive? So, right. yeah. I, you know, I, Maybe I can't call myself a man because I haven't fully arrived here, right? And and we and we don't know until we're tested. It's easy to sure. sit here on a podcast and talk about it, but when's the last time right. you were really tested with the need to to know your identity and control yourself? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't happen all that often, I don't think. And so, so sometimes we have to wait. Yeah weeks, months, years, potentially even to have that next opportunity to see, have I grown? 
Am I more of a man today than I was two years ago? Am I more of a man today than I was when I was in my teenage years and a kid stepped to me on the ball field and I knocked his teeth out, you know? And so, so there's, but, but it's, it's that pursuit. It's that growth goal to recognize that, that, and, and it, it comes from internalizing more and more our true identity and what our purpose is. Again, pointing back to Jesus, you talk about the ultimate control. He literally is being crucified and could have called on a legion of angels. That's right. To vanquish his enemies. That's right. And he and knew- angels are bad. They're bad. They're they're bad. <laughs> bad pajamas. pajamas, baby. Yeah, they're, exactly. You know what I'm saying? The we think of these like, of, oh, they've got this little no, halo up there. No, they're, they're nice no. angelic beat. Uh-uh. No. Now these guys are legit warriors. The first thing out of every almost, I can't say every, it seems like most of the time, the first words out of an angel's mouth to human beings when they show up are this. Don't be afraid. That's right. right. That's a good point. <laughs> that's what that's what they say. Right. That's what like 90% of the time, I can't think of a time. When I when I've read the scripture and angels appear to a human, that's what they say. Don't be afraid. Well, why would they say that? Because they're freaking scary. They are scary, 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 like warriors. Angels are warriors. And if one of them showed up, let alone a whole legion of them, as Jesus was being crucified, dudes would have stopped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's I'm saying? Right. But yeah. he knew at core who he was. That's right. And that he didn't need, not only didn't he need, can you imagine the temptation to prove to all of the doubters in that moment, even his own disciples who thought they knew who Jesus, I just spent three years with this dude. I believed he was the Messiah. And yet he's being crucified like a common criminal. Yeah. This wasn't the guy. Doesn't add up. This wasn't the guy. I yeah. think he was the guy. He certainly seemed like the guy. Yeah. And Jesus didn't, in that moment, his flesh might have wanted to prove it, but his identity and, and hearing from the Father, as you suggested earlier, said, you know what? I have a greater purpose and that I can actually be stronger in this moment through self-control and self-denial than to vanquish my enemies. It'll feel good in the moment. Sure. But man, what am I sacrificing long-term? And and there's a lot of that, man, can you imagine if you lose your temper in front of your kids? Right. You know, and, and so I think about that for my own self. Anytime I I act like a child, not a man. Any child, I wanna, I wanna take the city. Anytime I wanna be the warrior, anytime I I don't react with self-control in front of my kids, it's like, oh, it felt good in the moment. But man, what did I just what did I just waste? I wasted an opportunity to show Christ to my kids, to show them how to be a man. Because our kids are looking at us. How do I be a man in the world? That's right. You know, and so the more that we can walk that out, we're not only growing, it's like a muscle, right? It's like our, it's our man muscle. Like every time you do it, it becomes easier to do the right thing in challenging moments for us. But every time our kids see it, they now have something to model as they're going and thinking to themselves, what, what's it take to be a man? Well, my dad's a man. Here's how he shows up in the world. He either shows it's like you, you read these stories. I, I I forget all the details, but it just happened a few a few weeks ago, where dudes literally killed people, parents at a at a like a little league baseball game or a soccer game. I forget it. What I think it was in Colorado, 
these parents lose it in the stands over their kids playing soccer because the ump, you know, the referee makes a bad call and you're literally going to resort to violence to the point where you kill somebody. You're not a man. You might think you're a man. You're just going right. to be a child you're in a jail. You're not a man. Yeah. You know, that's right. There's a lot here. It's uh, I think we're saying the same thing and yeah, and it's not easy, but I think that is certainly an element of being a man. Anything else we should explore? What other what other topics? Any other elements of being a man that we would want to pursue and strive toward that you have recognized maybe in yourself as you, as you think about yourself becoming a man? Sure. For me, I think a big part of it is this idea of courage and, you know, bravery. And I think that that, you know, the idea of courage, you don't, you know, some people might think, "Oh, that means a lack of fear," but I don't know that that's necessarily the reality. I think courage and bravery are, you know, displayed by action in the face of fear or action in the, in the face of overwhelming circumstances, you know? And so I think for me, when I think about, you know, what's the difference between a boy and a man, uh, you know, as a boy, you know, you can get overcome by fear. You can have a lack of courage or a lack of bravery. I remember, <laughs> I'll tell you one story that just came to mind from my boyhood. It was my job to take care of of the dog. And so that meant feed the dog, walk the dog, et cetera. I grew, I grew up in, you know, small town Greensboro, USA, little neighborhood, you know, houses and parks and woods and stuff in between the houses. Well, there was a season of my boyhood where when I would, it would be my time to walk that dog at night. I would just get in my own head. It's dark outside, you know, and I would, I would walk the dog along the woods. And then when I would, you know, turn around to come back home, I just remember this season where I, I would feel like, oh no, there's somebody behind me, you know, <laughs> that there, there's somebody coming out of the woods. They're going to get me. And I would literally start running with the dog back back to the safety of my house <laughs> as a boy, you know, I was, I was afraid of the dark. <laughs> sure. And so one of the things I work on with my kids is teaching them to lean into that. And as, as, as when they were younger not, it doesn't happen as much now, but when, when they were younger, I remember them being afraid of the dark, afraid to go outside of the house at night in the dark. And so what I would do is, is anytime that would come up, I'd say, come on, let's go. You're, you're, you're with me, right? So the kids being with me obviously creates this sense of comfort and, and stability and, and uh, uh, takes the fear away, right? If dad's with me outside in the dark. But I'd say, come on, let's go. Get your flashlight. We're going to go outside. And we go outside and I'll turn your flashlight off. And what? I'd say, look, just turn your flashlight off. We're going to sit here in the dark and lean into it. And as we're sitting in the dark, I just remind them that, hey, it's just your imagination at work here. There's actually not anything out in the woods that is going to come eat you. You know, we don't live in Alaska. <laughs> right. And so, but anyway, that's kind of a long rambling way to say, I think courage and and bravery is definitely an aspect of manhood, leaning it, leaning into the fear, you know, or leaning into take action in the, in the midst of a fear situation, uh, I think is, is a part of being a man. And not just physical bravery, 
bravery in terms of standing up for for what's right, for what matters. Uh, the Churchill quote at the beginning of this episode about, "Hey, man, if you if you don't have any enemies, it's probably because you're not standing up for things that matter and are important." Mm-hmm. And it as a as a kid, it's easy to want to be liked, to want to fit in, to go with the crowd. In fact, I think I've mentioned on this podcast that my my kids and I are doing a devotional uh, on the way to school every day, and it's it's been fun, and there have been some interesting topics and conversations, and and just this morning the devotional was on exactly this topic. It's like, are you are you seeking man's approval, or are you you know are are you trying to be liked, or are you trying to to earn respect? And one of the ways that we earn respect is sometimes by standing up for th- things that may be a little bit hard. Yep virtues that may go against culture a little bit but we do it because it's right and and so i've been Man, trying to got, this yeah go ahead we got opportunities galore right now we in the culture that we're galore. living in i know <laughs> it's, that's exactly right we got opportunities galore to stand up for what's right yeah. and to 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 stand up for lo- i mean lovingly right we want to love people that's right. Uh, but there's definitely a right and a wrong. There's definitely, um, you know, those things. And we certainly have an opportunity to stand up against what is happening in in culture uh, right now, for sure. And so it's one thing to say that to our kids, but are they seeing us do it as well? And so we need to certainly model that and step into that, lean into that, as you like to say, uh, in terms of developing our own manhood muscle, so to speak, and it's not—it's not easy, right? It's the temptation is to be like the temptation is not to ruffle feathers. The temptation is not to start a Facebook battle where everybody comes against you and calls you a million names that you know end in IST because you have said something that you believe in that goes contrary to what culture is saying. And I'm not even seeing, saying that's the right way to to handle it. I, I think that's a separate conversation, maybe for a separate episode, but it doesn't change the fact that sometimes you have to speak up. Sometimes you have to, to fight for, uh, for those who are being mistreated and, and teaching our kids to do that as well. I think that's an evolution from childhood to manhood where you just have to, you just come to a point where you realize I care a whole lot less about what other people think about me. Uh, there, there's the there's the phrase or the saying we, we say this to Jackson quite a bit because he you know he's he's very much in a, a phase right now as as a teenager where he's he's worried about what other people are thinking about him and how he looks and how his hair looks and all this type of stuff and it's like you know when you're a child um you you care what everybody else thinks about you basically when you're a grown-up you realize nobody's thinking about you at all anyway <laughs> you know it, it's something to that effect and i think yeah, there yeah there is that evolution as you become a man you start to realize what the heck am i worried about what everybody else thinks because nobody cares nobody right. nobody's thinking about me nearly as much as i'm thinking about myself <laughs> that's right that's right uh and that's an evolution of manhood anything else i have a I've got a snippet of a poem that I want to read as we sort of wrap this up. But is is there any uh, any final thoughts for you or from you? Well, you know, one of the things I kind of wrote down as I was meditating on this, and it's not necessarily only about manhood. It's probably more about humanity, you know. But we're born into the world incomplete you know and we're 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 sitting here today talking about this growth from boyhood to manhood right when do, when do we make that 
move, that step, that definition, where's the line? But I know that we as humans, both male and female, are born into the world incomplete. And the the thing that completes us is the relationship with God, the Father, with Yahweh. And that is through his son, Christ, you know, Jesus. And so as I began to kind of think about that, well, a man, you know, is going to move from that state of incomplete, a lack of relationship with God into completeness, being filled, fulfilled. Uh, But really, you know, the more I thought about that, the more I feel like, well, that's really a more human condition versus, you know, a masculine condition. But that was definitely something that, you know, I did come to my mind. Uh, but I think it's probably more of a general, more of a general, more of a human condition. It is that that certainly would apply to women as well as men, but, but a good thought and a good reminder. And, and so much of what, what I think about when I think about what it takes to be a man is, is trying to figure out how Jesus modeled that, how God has modeled that, uh, for us and those, those elements and character traits. Yeah. Just a quick sort of parting thought and I'll post the full poem in in the show notes a lot of the listeners may be familiar with it uh if by Rudyard Kipling are you familiar with that Perry have you ever read it I have not it's I think it's a pretty famous poem um and and I reflect on it from time to time and it's always fun to reread it but what I think is interesting about it is uh, it's got several stanzas several paragraphs and the very last line it's basically instructions about how to be a man because it is you know it goes through all of these things if blank if if such and such if you do this if you do this if you can do this if you can do that if you blah 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 and at the very end it says you know at that point yours is the earth and everything that's in it and which is more you'll be a man my son hmm. so that that begs the question what are all those things and it doesn't mean that rudyard kipling has it right by the way you know it's not like this is the end all be all about what it takes to be a man right but if the conclusion of the whole poem is this leads to you being a man my son are any of those things valid and so so like i said i'll I'll post the whole poem in the show notes but let me just read some of it in the beginning because i think a lot of it is spot on and i think a lot of it frankly is what you and i have been talking about on this episode it says if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or be lied about, don't deal in lies or being hated, don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. And and it continues on, but even right there, there are elements of what we're talking about. What if others are lying about you? Do you respond with lies? Do you respond with gossip? Do you retaliate? Basically, do you retaliate? If others are hating you, but you don't give way to hating, dot, 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 then you'll be a man, my son. Jesus modeled that, right? He said, "Yeah, you know, the world will hate you because of me. That's like what we're striving for. But that's such a hard thing for a lot of boys. If you're not a man, when somebody hates you, it, it bothers you. It's like, oh, why? Well, because if you're standing for what is right, the world may hate you. But this poem is saying, but don't don't give into that. Don't give into hating. 
Uh, anyway, there's there's a lot of good stuff here, but a lot of it, I think, comes back to that self-control piece that that we were talking about. There's one other line in here that um, I have always, it's been a cornerstone of how I was raised and how I have tried to walk out and live my life and what I'm trying to to teach my kids. Let me find find it. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, so in other words, I, I read that as like, if you can be in the world, but not of the world, if you can talk with the crowds, but keep your own virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch. Mm. And I think I think that's so, you know, put another way, if you can treat and recognize that kings, treat them as commoners, kings are no better than you are, but treat common people as kings. In other words, everybody you meet as you're going through the world, revere them, honor them, treat them as kings. You're no better than they are. And kings are no better than you are. Man, I think there's a big element of that. I love that line in this poem. I think that I think that's spot on. And I think that's part of being a man as well. When you adopt that mindset, you no longer you know, I think I think about my boys. Um, they they look up to all these NBA players. They're like these. They're idols. Uh, oh my gosh, they're they're like better than me. If I could, no, they're not. You know, they're just they're just men. You know, they put their shoes on the same way. And I I think you grow into that understanding as you become a man as well. And I think that's part of what Rudyard Kipling is getting at in this poem. Man, it's beautiful stuff. I'm excited to dive in and and digest that whole poem and then begin to teach it to my kids and, you know, my sons and, uh, have them begin to marinate on these things, hopefully more regularly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is cool. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation and, uh, and there you go. You, you guys know how to be a man now. Just, just go do it. Like we, we have <laughs> problem solved. We have, we have problem, we have solved the issue of, of manhood, right? I mean, uh, no, it is, it is a journey. Um, I think we're we're all on that journey. We're all striving. You know, I want to be a better man tomorrow than I am today, and I want to be a better granddad than I am a man now, and 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 that's all part of the journey. So yeah, hopefully right. some of what we have talked about has has helped you guys. And I think we'll sign off for now, but look forward to coming coming back to you with with future episodes. Where, like I said, we have a few really exciting guests that I'm looking forward to talking talking to in the next few episodes. So be sure to to follow the podcast if you haven't already so you're alerted when they drop thank you for your support for continuing to listen for uh for helping us spread the word about the faithful fatherhood podcast so with that i'll let you guys get back to your weeks have a great week everyone and we will talk with you again soon take care okay.